This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is not your century. This is not your century, where we celebrate the news and the news media of centuries gone by. I'm King Kaufman. June 10th, 1946. Jack Johnson is dead. The first black heavyweight champion crashed his 39 Lincoln Zephyr into a light post near Franklinton, North Carolina. The local black undertaker heard the crash and came running. Johnson told him, I'm all right. But he wasn't. He needed an ambulance. And when it came, the white ambulance driver refused to pick Johnson up and take him to the hospital. It didn't treat black people. The undertaker got one of his employees to load the champ into a hearse and drive him the 25 miles to the closest black hospital in Raleigh. Johnson didn't make it. He was 68 years old. Jack Johnson began his fighting career as a teenager in the mid-1890s in his hometown of Galveston, Texas. They were informal scraps held on barges or beaches to stay one step ahead of the law. Boxing was illegal in most places back then. In 1901, he fought a former top heavyweight from San Francisco. Joe Choinsky was a little past his prime, but he'd given future champ gentleman Jim Corbett two hard fights early in their careers, and he'd fought the great Jim Jeffries to a draw in 1897. Remember that name, Jim Jeffries. Johnson and Choinsky were both arrested and they spent three weeks in jail together. Choinsky, who was white, thought Johnson had real potential and he began to train him. Johnson credited Choinsky for developing what would become his signature defensive style. By 1903, the Galveston Giant held the so-called colored heavyweight title, and he wanted to fight the man who held the white title, who of course was widely recognized as the true heavyweight champion. That champ was an undefeated mountain of a man who had no blemishes on his record, since that draw against Joe Choinsky in San Francisco six years earlier. His name was Jim Jeffries. He wouldn't fight Jack Johnson or any other black man. None of the top white fighters would, and he retired undefeated in 1904. By 06, the champion was Canadian Tommy Burns, and he was a different kind of fighter, or at least he talked like one. I will defend my title against all comers, he said. I propose to be the champion of the world, not the white or the Canadian or the American. It turned out he meant all comers except Jack Johnson. Over the next two years, Burns defended his title 11 times, or 13 times, depending how you look at things. And Jack Johnson literally followed him all around the world while he did it, trying to force a fight. Los Angeles, London, Dublin, Paris, Sydney, Australia. The fight was finally made for Boxing Day in 1908 in Sydney. It was a mismatch. Johnson didn't just beat the smaller man, he toyed with him. He used him to disprove the cliches about black fighters. They had weak stomach muscles, 
Hit me here, Tommy, Johnson said, leaving his belly unguarded. They had a yellow streak under pressure. Johnson took Burns' best punches and smiled. They couldn't think on their feet. Johnson gave Burns boxing lessons in the ring. This is what is known as a left hook, Tommy, he'd say as he crashed a left against the champ's skull. In the 14th round, the police stopped the fight, not wanting to see the white champ knocked out. Johnson won by technical knockout. Immediately, there were calls for the old champion, Jim Jeffries, to come out of retirement. He said he'd do it, but only for one reason, to redeem the white race. Thus was born the Great White Hope. The fight was made for Reno on July 4th, 1910, and it was a sensation. The fight of the century, or at least the first one called that. The Hearst newspapers sent Jack London to cover it. A special outdoor venue was built with 20,000 seats. It was another mismatch. Jeffries, who had never been knocked down, went down twice, and his corner threw in the towel in the 15th round. Jeffries wasn't the same fighter he had been, but he admitted that he couldn't have beaten Johnson on his best day. Across the country, blacks celebrated Johnson's win. Whites rioted. The episode was immortalized in the Pulitzer Prize-winning play The Great White Hope, later made into a movie. In both, James Earl Jones played the Johnson character, renamed Jack Jefferson. Are you the Black Hope? Well, I'm black and I'm hoping. Answer him straight, Jack. Say, look, man, I ain't fighting for no race. I ain't redeeming nobody. My mama told me Mr. Lincoln done that. Ain't that why you shot him? The real-life Johnson lived fast and loud. He upset the white powers that be by, well, by everything he did, but chief among them was dating and marrying white women. He wasn't all that popular with black leaders either, as respectability politics held sway at the time. Johnson was arrested twice in 1912 under the racist Mann Act for transporting white women across state lines for immoral purposes. He was convicted and sentenced to a year in prison, but he skipped bail and left the country. He was still in exile when he lost his title in Cuba to a huge, plodding Kansas farmer named Jess Willard. He finally returned to the United States in 1920 and served 10 months at Leavenworth. He fought into the 1930s, but he was never a title contender again. He spent his later years making personal appearances, putting on boxing exhibitions or performing his vaudeville act. He'd spent a few days with a tent show in Texas, and when he crashed his Lincoln in North Carolina, he was on his way to New York to watch the second black heavyweight champ, Joe Lewis, fight at Yankee Stadium. There were reports in the wake of the crash that Johnson had been refused service at a diner, and he'd sped away in anger. In 2018, after years of lobbying from various supporters, President Trump issued a rare posthumous pardon to Jack Johnson. Not Your Century is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like this show, we'd love it if you'd give it a rating and a review. For great journalism today, consider subscribing to the San Francisco Chronicle, which you can do in both paper and digital form by going to sfchronicle.com slash subscribe. Historical research by Libby Coleman. I'm King Kaufman. Talk to me on Twitter at King underscore Kaufman. We now return you to your century.